Hi, everybody, and welcome to Man Cave 51. I'm your host, Just Brian, and we're here for another show. And I'm here again with DJ Eric Moniz. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm great. It's great to be here. Oh, that's good. That's good. So I figured I'd ask you back because we haven't had a one-on-one. A one-on-one between me and you. I mean, I've been to the left field pub, you know, and heard you play and everything. We were there Wednesday. You know, you were doing your thing, and I figured... I want to ask you a couple of questions that I wanted to ask. And one of the questions was, why DJ? Because most people, most people just say, I want to be a DJ. I want to be a DJ. I want to be a DJ. For you to been DJing for the last 30 years, why DJ? Well, it really has a lot to do with the way, you know, uh, working in corporate America kind of put me in a position to go back to my skills. Um, you know, I started DJing in 1985, um, and at that, at that time, DJing was more about, you know, um, more house parties, more, you know, uh, you know, more of a hobby. It wasn't anything that I really thought about in terms of, you know, making money, Uh but, uh, so I used to work for a large corporation and then one day you know, they tapped me on my shoulder and told me my position was eliminated. You know, so that put, I've me, been through that. that put me in this position like, man, I put in, you know, I was a company man. You know, I put in all this work. I worked my way up to, you know, mid to, you know, uh, regional management. And uh, man, I was like, you know, I'm doing good. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that quickly ended when um, my position was eliminated. And so I, I floated around, took some other jobs, but, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't happy. And um, so I really have to give credit to Clarence Chester. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you remember Clarence. You used to call I him remember Clarence. Famous. I remember Clarence. We call, well, you yes. know, I know him as DJ C. Nice. Okay. Right. So Clarence was, was DJing up at a local skating rink up in Towson. And he was like, E, why don't you just get back to what you do? Why don't you start spending again? And I said, okay, well, you know, I'll get into it again. And when I got into it, it was just usually, or initially just involved with just DJing at the skating rink every Friday and Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. That's how, you know, it, it, I got back into the flow of DJing. But I really didn't understand um, entertaining until Ooh. the skating rink decided one day that they were going to close. So then I go from, you know, DJing for a certain crowd of people, certain type of music. And so when I went out into starting trying to do parties and DJing, man, I sucked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to be honest with you, man. I bombed a lot of parties. I bombed a lot of events because I was so used to DJing for a specific genre, crowd. Specific, specific crowd, crowd. Yes. you know, and I just thought, man, you know, I'm, you know, I've been DJing since 1985, I know what I'm doing, but man, it is an art, it's an art form, it's it's truly an art form to recognize and how to move the crowd, man, as, you know, my man Rakim used to say, you gotta learn how to, you know, really move the crowd, but more than that, you have to not just be a DJ, you have to be an entertainer, you have to entertain people, because people's you know, attention span is 
that of a three-year-old now. I mean, as soon as they get bored, they're gonna pick up their phone or their device and they're gonna start swiping. Now see, I noticed that some of your events that see, you get out there, you grab the mic and you get out there and you start interacting while the music is playing and get people going. I never did that. I was just basically relying on how my skill set was to keep them on the floor. I had to keep them on the floor by the tables and the, and the music. You keep them on the floor by the music and your presence actually on the floor. Because you have a DJ voice. You've been doing this so long. Yeah. You have a DJ voice. Something like this you can probably do all the time. So, yeah. I mean, this is what I see and you ever since I've been hanging around you recently. So, the, 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 what happened with that was, you know, now that... You know, we have Serato, you know, you have, uh, you know, virtual DJ. Anybody can get behind some, stand behind a laptop and, and, and they call themselves a DJ now. Yeah. Right. So because of that, it is, it is sort of, um, it is watered down our industry. Right. And what I mean by that is everybody and their father DJ. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, like back in the day, everybody was a hairdresser. Now everybody's a DJ, right? Yeah, Uncle Larry bringing his bringing his records out the basement, and because you know DJ Uncle Larry, you know, yeah, for all you house for all you house DJs out there, we we've been doing this a whole lot longer than you, so yeah, yeah. Uh, you you might if you listen to this, you might learn something. Well, the interesting thing that came from that was, I said, listen, I got to learn not just to be be just playing music, mixing music, but I got to learn to entertain people and get people interactive. Because when you and I started DJing back in 1985 or whenever we were DJing in the 80s, people were different. Yes. So it didn't take much to entertain them. For example, I'll give you a, a parody to kind of help people to understand what it's like. So when I was a kid, my dad took me to see Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm telling you, the special effects were absolutely incredible in 1978. You know, in 1978, you know, the lightsaber, the, you know, everything that went along with Star Wars mm-hmm. at that time was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal, right? Let's fast forward to now, right? You can watch a Star Wars movie, and if the story does not keep you, the special effects don't even bother you anymore. No. Because doesn't. we're just so used to CG and special effects. We're so used to it now. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to entertain people that want something that, you know, that entertained us 30, 40 years ago will not entertain us now at this point. Mm-hmm. And so that's the same thing with the evolution of, of music and DJing. You've got to find a way to entertain people where they are today, yes. not where they were 25, 35, 40 years ago. True. Yeah. So the other thing, too, um, B, it was really important for me. So I go by certain names. So you know me as DJ Eric. Mm -hmm. But I have multiple names, right? I go by Eric the DJ Entertainer and some other events, other events I do. Because I also host. Mm -hmm. So I I can't just be a DJ, but I also have to be an entertainer. So depending on the venue and the crowd that I'm dealing with, I, I may use Eric the DJ Entertainer versus simply using DJ Eric, right? But my true name is Link's Dreams. Link's Dreams. Link's Dreams. That's my true DJ name. So most people don't know me by Link's Dreams, but Link's Dreams is sort of like Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders created Primetime in his dorm. 
See, De- Deion Sanders is one person, but prime time is another person. Is another person, but yet they're one and the same. I get what you're saying. So Link's dreams and DJ Eric and Eric the Entertainer are all one and the same. But Link's dreams supersedes all of them because my job is to connect people to their dreams. Now, whether that be through music, or whether that be through motivational speaking, whether that be through entertainment, I want people to connect to what's important to them. Uh-huh. So Link's dreams is not just a DJ name, it's a mission statement. Hmm. It's something deeper. Because one day my entertainment company will offer people the opportunity to get, you know, uh, live music, you know, live vocal performers, motivational, inspirational speakers, DJing, hosting. I want it to be a plethora of entertainment needs. So it's all in a one-stop shop. They don't have to go somewhere else. They can talk to me and they can get everything they need in terms of their entertainment needs. Now I can see that you're, you're into it. Just like, I'm going to get you into this, doing this podcast, because it seemed like you would be, you will, you surpassed me as for DJing. So now you're going to surpass me in this because I'm going to show you. Because I think this, I, I think this, this would be another good field for you because I can see you, 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 you do your things on social media and everything else. And I think something like this would probably work excellent for you because I'm telling you, you have the voice. You have the presence and I can tell how you relate to the people that you're hanging around with and whether you know you got a following or not, you do. So something like that will probably work out for you. I'm going to make sure I'm going to make sure that part, people who are ever listening, I'm going to make sure this part, make sure he has a following on everything he does because we're going to hear something about Eric. I can, I can, I got that feeling. I don't get that feeling many times. I'm going to hear something about Eric. Well, it's interesting you say that because I'm at the point in my life where I'm thinking about what's next. You know, what's next for me, man? It's, you know, I listen to a lot of people. Of course, you're one of my um, inspirations, you know, and I give, I give credit where credit is due. So being around you as a young person, being around, you know, Pepe Nicholson, being around David Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys were legendary people in Owings Mills in the Town area where we grew up. And you guys were were DJing, you know, at a precedented time, man, where, you know, the shift in the culture was changing. Yes, it was. We we went from, you know, disco music. And, yo, when you started, you know, playing African Bombada and Planet Rock, yo, man, I was was caught up. I mean, seriously, man, I I used to look at you and be like, you know, (laughs) I used to think about, right, Dave Chappelle talked about Dave Chappelle true stories or Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's brother, Charlie Murphy used to tell Charlie Murphy's true life stories. Mm-hmm. And he talked about Rick James. Oh he Lord. When he saw Rick James, <laughs> he actually saw his aura, his pre yo, that's how you were. Yo, you, you yo, you was you was like projecting this this energy. I mean, seriously, man, I'm not, you know, and I don't talk much about those things to other to other people. But, but dude, you were so inspirational. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you, you was doing big things, man. You, I don't think you realized the impact that you might have had on on a whole lot of other guys. I didn't realize that. Because you was just doing you. You was being Brian. You was, dude, you was playing it. You, you, you was walking around school, man, with a guitar. Yeah. How about that? Who, who walks around 
with a guitar. Bro, you used to walk. Yeah, dude. Like this dude is on another level. You was on another level. So when you when you had the right people in front of you, you got the right people in front of you. And then I had good people in my community that looked out for me. And then us growing up in Owings Mills in the time we did, man, we were exposed to different cultures. See, me and you could walk in a room, be the only brother in the room, and be comfortable. Because we were, I remember there were times I would be the only brother in my class mm-hmm. when yeah. I went to school. Yeah, we had that noise mills. Right? Yeah. And now it's not like that now, but that trained me to be comfortable in my own skin no matter who I'm dealing with. So, bro, I do bar mitzvahs. You know, I can do, you know, I could be the only brother in the room. You know what I'm saying? If Sammy Davis Jr. could do it, Nat King Cole could do it, Chubby Checker could do it. Why can't you? Why can't we do it? Why can't we do it, man? So, you know, I, I don't let, you know, uh, you know, racial or cultural biases because the universal, there's two universal languages, math and music, and both of them work together. They work together. So at the end of the day, man, there's no limitation to where we could go, who we could do, what we could do because of what we're involved with. There's no way in the world, uh, you know, I'm going to just limit myself to just playing hip hop and R&B. There's no way in the world I'm just going to limit myself to playing Baltimore Club. There's no way in the world I'm going to, you know, not just play house music or play trap music or, or play rock and roll. Well, now now you have to play all types of you music. You got to be able to play everything. You got to be able to. In you, order to stay relevant, in order to stay, you know, this is how I take care of my family. The way you got this better than me is you got a laptop and all your music is, all your music is on it. Back in the day, we had to carry all the records. Oh, Lord have mercy. I hated every minute I've carried all the records, but the records was your diamond. The records was your pride and joy. I, we, me, and, me and David Ross was another buddy of mine. Me and David Ross, we used to buy records like crazy. And I don't know if I told most people, that's the only reason we ever started to DJ because back then we didn't fit in. We had the sports guys fit in. We had the, you know, the popular guys with the ladies, you know, and all this stuff. And then it was just me and, you know, it was just David and myself. So we, David came up with the idea to DJ after my brother and them had that little band that they played. And we, we started playing for the little kids and then we started playing for the big kids. And we did it to fit in. And then it grew into a monster. Next thing I know, we building speakers in Woodshop to play our parties in and it was outrageous it was the best time of my life and now I'm at the point where I'm trying to find another best time in my life other than my kids being born best time in my life and that's what I'm looking for now so that's why I'm doing on stage and I'm doing comedy if people don't know I go into Just Brian I'll be at Magoobie's Joke House on certain nights and I do post it when I'm there and I'm looking for that monster. I'm looking to be that monster. That's like you're looking to be a monster. What you're doing, you still a monster in this. You still, cause I've been around other DJs and I went to other places and they can't keep my attention. And I don't know if they're just not doing something right or whatever, but your interaction with the crowd keeps my attention. I thought my boy, Big Mike was a polite person. Eric is the most polite person I've ever met. He keeps his composure 
for any reason. He just keeps his composure. So, and I know being in, being in that DJ field, people can get under your skin. Oh yeah. And you keep that composure and everything because it comes to the point where you gotta please everybody. Yep. And when you say you can't please everybody, no. Being a DJ, you need to try to please everybody, no matter how many times you gotta grit your teeth. You gotta please everybody. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and, and interesting enough, um, because we're in the me society now, people mm-hmm. are only concerned about what they want and how they want it. Um, you know, I have to sort of kind of keep people in a, in a central location um, so that we can all, quote unquote, get along, um, you know, so I could be DJing from eight to 80. I mean, you know, so, you know, little kids want to hear something else, but then you have teenagers that want to hear something totally different. Mm-hmm. Then you've got people that are in their 20s and 30s. They want to hear what they want to hear. And then you've got your older folks and they want to hear what they want to hear. And everybody wants to hear what they want to hear when they want to hear it. But here's the interesting thing. Um, and this is a cultural thing, but when I do, uh, you know, for example, a bar mitzvah or a bar mitzvah, mm-hmm. right, a bat mitzvah, I've got people on the floor from eight to eighty, and they're all enjoying the same music. They're all enjoying the same music. But when I do other venues, dealing with a different crowd, you know, if I throw on some Cardi B, all the young ones are going to jump up, all the older folks going to look at me like I'm crazy and going to sit down. Yeah, because but you got to pre, you got to, you got to please both. Got to please both. You just can't so play one sided. So then, if I throw on some Frankie Beverly and Maze, or you know, throw something a little old school or whatever, then they're all getting up. But then what? All the younger people are going to sit down. They all looking at you like you're crazy. So what's what's usually the unification is line dancing. Believe it or not, you can't miss it by line dancing. Can't by yes. doing that. I know that's like you know the cliche. But that's usually the time I can get electric slide and generations together and enjoy a moment. And so what I've learned to do as a DJ is not try to DJ the whole night, uh, you know, for this person, this person. I look for moments in the night. I look for opportunities to create moments and then everybody can say, man, I had a great time. Because mm-hmm. that's what you got to do. Especially if you can get them all on the floor at one time doing something. Everybody, electric slide. You can start out with an electric slide, but there are so many songs that you can mix into the electric slide so that line dance will keep going. Keep and, pe- going. and once people are doing it, they don't realize that they're actually dancing to something else. And then you bring back the electric slide, just the electric slide, but then you just bring back all different types of songs and people won't even realize it. As long as that one beat. It's, it's, it's what I call my Jedi mind trick. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really into the whole Star Wars thing. So, you know, <laughs> you just got to kind of trick people into having fun. And that's another thing. Um, people have forgot how to have fun because they're all serious at the job. You know, our other show we talked about was stress. Mm-hmm. And people, man, are just, you know, so wound up tight that they don't even know how to have fun anymore, you know, because they're just wound up tight. So that's another thing. I try to make people feel relaxed, feel comfortable, you know. So when I do weddings, you know, because I do a lot of other things other than DJ at Leftfield Pub. You know, I do weddings, I do festivals, you know, I throw my own private parties, I do day parties, I DJ for my 28-year-old daughter and her parties and her crew, you know. So being, you know, dealing with different things and different people just keeps you sharp. But again, at the end of the day, you know, Am I David Guetta? And a lot of people are like, well, who's David Guetta? Well, David Guetta makes $36 million a year DJing. $36 million. Okay? Am I Steve Aiko? And people say, well, who is he? Well, this guy DJs all over the world, right? 
And he DJs, he never wears a watch because he says he doesn't know where he's going to wake up in the world. That's how much he DJs around the world. His annual gross earnings are around $27 million. $27 million. DJ Khaled, his appearance fee is $15,000 just to walk through the door. Okay, so there's some guys that are making some just... So how do you fill the gap? That's where me and you talk about what's next, okay? How do I get from, you know, local pub DJ to, you know, I represent, well, I have companies that represent me. I have HB Productions, God bless DJ Myra. She is definitely one of the most incredible people I've ever met. I met her when I used to DJ on the Spirit of Baltimore downtown. Okay. Right? And uh, she was a guest on the boat. and She was like, I got to have you on my team. And she's been the best, one of the best persons in my life. So she books all my kids. She keeps me in the kids' circuit, pool parties, uh, elementary school, fun day, you know, um, graduations, you know, proms. That's my. So she keeps you busy. She, up until COVID. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but she was the one who had me in the Anne Arundel County, DC, Virginia. You know, she had me in that area, right? Then I also DJ for another company. Well, actually, these are my booking agents. Uh, it's a company called The Wedding Bug, um, Amer- uh, American Wedding Group, and The Pros. Mm-hmm. They're all one company, but but they specialize in different different types of DJing. But I get booked through all three of them. And so they're the ones who get me these incredible weddings, you know, at Linganore Farms or, you know, have me up in York, PA or have me, you know, in Philly or have me, you know, way south and way in Southern Maryland. So that's a whole nother side of DJ Eric that a lot of people don't even know that I do. Well, they know now. Well, <laughs> you know, but it's a totally different. That's where I have to become Eric, the DJ entertainer. Mm-hmm. Not just DJ Eric and not Link Streams, because you have to entertain people. You know, you have to get people engaged, and so you have really have to help people to appreciate. Look, you're an invited guest at a special moment, and 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 these people want you a part of that memory, that moment. So again, creating the moments and getting people involved are huge, huge. So you know, the food could be so so, right? The venue, you know, you'll give them a little slap. You, you, you'll work with your photographer, but let your DJ be whack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, I've, you'll I've done a wedding and, and, and somebody DJ, somebody didn't like the music because, like you said, we bombed. I've bombed a lot in a lot of things, and they say we bombed. And, you know, when I bombed on that wedding, I didn't even ask for money because I knew I bombed. I told them, I'm sorry, you just keep what you have. She gave it to me anyway because I showed up. But I'm like, boom, I didn't have what you actually wanted. I had the songs on the list that was given to me, but they were given to me by somebody in your family who wanted what who wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. And she said that list did not come from her or her husband or her new husband. So yeah. I mean I've done that and uh you gotta take the good with the bad oh, sometimes. You gotta Listen, take the good with the bad sometimes. One thing I learned from this cat man, his name is uh Fresh. I used to deal with Fresh through Washington Talent Agency. And uh, these guys, uh, you know, man, they, they put on a show. They, they, they have intelligent lighting, 70-inch TVs, trusses, dancers, MC, DJ. We're not just, you know, we're, we're bringing a show to entertain people. And people are dropping big dollars. You know, people are spending anywhere from 10 to 20 grand on a 13-year-old for a mitzvah. For, for a mitzvah. It's crazy. Uh... But... 
what 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 being around these cats did for me mm-hmm. it's helped me to appreciate man man you got to step your game up when you're dealing with upper echelon clients you know what i mean you can't stand behind you know your dj booth your facade your front board whatever you call it and just think that you know you back there and you're doing you know that's not gonna get it going. no you got to be out there you got to get out there you got to get out there and people people got to know you people got to see you and everything else i mean i work but this little thing I do here is on the side and this is my hobby. But when it comes down to me getting close to retirement, because I got seven more years. So after seven more years, when I retire, I plan on being on every stage that I possibly can doing comedy. You never know. I may get back into this. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing, but I won't have to work. Then I'll be doing whatever I want to do on my level, my thing. And that's what that's what I want. So I'll I'll have that person over my head. I'll have that job telling me, you know, you got to do this. You got to do this. Got to do this. But believe me, on that day that I'm saying, OK, 67 on that day, I'm 67. Yeah, don't just just because I'm 67 don't mean I'm going to stop. And I'm going to keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing. Got to have something to do. And for me to finish off and you to take that torch, I am so proud of a person that I can sit up and say and I'm proud of you and you're not my son <laughs> <laughs> and I'm proud of you because because you've you've done a lot you've taken this surpass everything and for somebody to sit up there and still run the Owings Mills thing in the Channel Hill parties I could not believe it like when we first met back up at that one party yo somebody was doing um, the Enchanted Hills reunion thing yes. that somebody was doing. Yeah. We first met back up, and I yeah. was like, "Ain't nobody seen me in 30 years." I was yeah. like, "Yeah, that was that was that was good seeing you." Because uh, matter of fact, like, wow. that night, um, I had I had I had DJed on the uh, on the boat, mm-hmm. and so I called and I said, "Is anyone there?" They said, "Brian Lockie." I said, "I'm on my way." I said, "I'm on." I wasn't gonna come, but when they said you were there, I, I was on my way. I was going home. I was on my way home because I I just finished DJing on the boat. You know, and, and that was an adventure in itself. But when wow. I heard you and your brother Thor were there, bro, I said, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I gotta see this cat. I've seen this cat since I was a little boy. Wow. You know, I was a teenager. You know, 13, 14 years old. Yes. You know what I mean? And I had to let you know the impression you left upon me. But it wasn't just me. You left that impression upon Clarence, right? A bunch of people. A lot of people. Man. A lot of people said that to me. You know what I mean? That you know what I mean? You, you, you was doing some, some incredible things back in the time. You know. And I told the same thing to David, David Jackson, when I saw him at a reunion, you know, um, I mean, you guys, were, you know, and I, you know, David, man, I remember David was the only brother on the baseball team. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, went off into the military. Then he was Dan Morgan doing his thing. DJ Dave J. You know, I had one of his tapes. I, I It killed me. I couldn't find it because I wanted to give it back to him. To say that I kept that it. I kept it all. Man, in you know how many mixtapes we made and you know sold. What I'm I, I used I to got, sell mixtapes like got, crazy. I never got any of your mixtapes, but oh, we you know sold them like we sold them like it took hours to make them because right. we had to remake them and remake them right. and, and you know to to take a tape and dub it. And it took a long, a long time, time to get five tapes. It took yeah. almost all day just to get five tapes yeah. going on. Yeah. So I was like, man, but we they were out there. They were out there. But I used to do the same thing for, for, for Clarence, you know. Clarence uh, would, would you know, make a mixed CD and then burn it. And then on Friday nights up at the skate rink, man, I, I would sell them for him. 
You know what I'm saying? He would give me a dollar off of every five. Man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm selling over the weekend, man. I probably sell over 100 CDs for him every weekend. You know, because back then, man, we believed in our brotherhood. You know, it wasn't, you know, throwing shade on this DJ or throwing shade I on that. I don't shade on we, we, we looked out for each other. We were like, man, you want to come down? Because we used to call uh, Pat and Peppy the hack boys. And we had them come down and battle against us. They came down and played for my crowd. And they were, you know, my crowd, my crowd, to me, they were, they were good. Yeah. But our crowd was with us. Yeah. And when we came on, and, and they was just all in us because right. it was our crowd. Right. But. It was home field advantage. It was home field advantage. Yeah. But I appreciated them coming down oh, yeah. and they had fun just like we did. So it wasn't no battles no more. It was like, it was like appreciation yeah. for each other's art. Yeah. And we were so young, we didn't even know we were doing that. No. We couldn't call or appreciate for somebody's art. It was just, thank you for having me here. That was, that was it. Yeah. And that's all we had to do. So I was like, really, really, really. Oh, I was so really, really into it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And the thing bring a tear to a brother eye, bro, to sit up here and bro. think about all, all that back in the day and how long it Plus was. Plus, you were a musician. So yeah. you had an advantage on a lot of things too, man. Because I played my little guitar. I, I played my little guitar a little bit. My brother Thor was the bass, the bass player. player. Yeah, I remember. Man. Yeah, I learned my little you guitar. Were, you were always we trying to do because we were trying to fit in. But it's crazy you're saying that you were you were trying to fit in, but everybody was trying to be like you. Man, the so girls hated that. Us. Out? The, you, you know, say it's not. You know, you're trying. You're telling me that. You was doing it to fit in, but then all I'm trying to say is, man, once we saw what you were doing, everybody, oh yeah, man, Brian Locke wanted something. We, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we were trying. No. Me and David were trying to. The girls wasn't always going for. We were just the regular guys. The girls wasn't going. They were going for the athletes. This is when light skin was in. The girls go for the athletes and all this Bruh. other stuff. And me and when David came up with the idea. And then we took it to the max, and it got to the point where David enjoyed dancing with the girls more, and I was always on the tables. So I guess I was the one known more for spinning. being for spinning. Yeah, you were. And Dave, I, David would be my relief, and he come up. Eric Ross and not David. Yeah, isn't Eric Ross's brother? Yes, Eric Ross's brother. Yes, it, yes, it is. But David, David started out, but he David David was tall, light skinned good looking brother. He was on the. You know, he was more than the girls than I was. I was a skinny black dude who was sitting up there and I put my little hat on the spinning records. Next thing I know, I'm going to school. People asking me for parties. I'm doing parties. I know I got girls in the corner with me. I'm like, where the hell these girls come from? Who, who, they, who they wanting to see? Next thing I know, some girl throwing tongue down my mouth. I'm like, excuse me? Next thing, and I'm going to all these other places. And I'm like, oh, that's what DJ doing. Man, you couldn't pull me away from it then. I was like... <laughs> I dove uh, in with the, like two bare feet. I can remember coming feet. to school on Monday, man, and the only thing, the topic of discussion was the basement party. Oh, That's yeah. all you heard. Yeah. All Monday, Tuesday. and, and Friday and Saturday, the basement parties was on. Bro, that's why I was sneaking out the house, you know, <laughs> telling dad I'm going to take the trash out, and I would haul, I, I mean, I'm talking about elbows and, you know, and knees, bro, running. So I could look down there and see what y'all was doing. Because I could never come in. Because I knew if I ever went in, I wasn't coming back out. And I was going to get in trouble. Yeah, you was going to get in big trouble. I, so I, 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 I remember a few times saying, boy, you 
better go home. You know what I mean? Right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I had to hurry up, run, you know, run back home like I just took the trash out. You know, so it was, that's how much of an, an, an effect, an impact these parties was having, bro. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I, I didn't necessarily wanted it because of the old girl thing or whatever, man. It was just, I just can remember, man, just, and I hate to use the term, but the high you had everybody on, man. People was on, you know, a different yeah. planet. They were on a different, and music really can transcend you into another 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 dimension in time and space, bro. Because we were um, at Owens Mills. Owens yeah. Mills didn't have, didn't nothing. have nothing. Didn't have, we didn't have anything. Me and David had to go down Pastels and Giovanni's to see how they did, did it. it. So we can bring it out there because we didn't have nothing. The buses stopped running at what? 7 o'clock or 11 o'clock, something like that. Wasn't nobody out there. We, we had a bunch of girls, a bunch of everything. Nothing else to do. And when we started throwing them parties, it was, it was like we did one party. And next thing we know, it turned into every a cult following. Every Friday and yeah, Saturday man. night. It's insane. We go to school. I felt like a celebrity walking through the halls. It's insane. And I was like, wow, it's like this and everything. I it was, it was like, like that. I, I, I really didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, I was just... Because you was in the moment. We didn't, we didn't realize what was happening at that time, man. We didn't understand. You didn't understand what you were setting in terms of, you know, a blueprint. You, you, was, you was laying it down. You didn't even realize it. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm, I'll be really honest with you. It ain't been like that since. Because of where we were in the stream of time when you were doing it. It was our era. It's not that. It, it's the era. It's the bro, era that, listen, that did it. When, you know, when you, when, you know, when you talk about the, the song. First of all, again, we're talking about the end of the disco era. Yeah. Right. I bought Rapper's Delight. I bought that song, Rapper's Delight. I played the hell out of Rapper's Delight. And then I need the I needed a slow song, Warm Summer Night by Sheik. And then I ended, always ended the night with all the noise. Moments of Love was the longest Longest slow record ever yeah. made, and I would end the night with that song, and everybody knew it was time to get your little slow thing on everything because the night was ended. It was over, and then anything in between was just there. Yo, you, yo, you mm. was rocking, you was rocking Pack Jam. Oh, Pack Jam. You was rocking, you was rocking. Rapping. Pump, 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 pump it up. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that trouble funk, Jamaican funk. Jamaican yo, you was funk. Kill, yo. Man, you was blending stuff that wasn't even in, really even the same genre, but you was just. But it was what was hot. It was what was hot. We used to you know go to Mondawmin Mall to pick up albums. Yo, you used to go get imports down at Metro. Oh, that's oh. That, that's the only place you could get imports at the time. But at first, you was able to get them in Mon. You was able to get them. It was a record store in Mondawmin. He had a whole Metro. selection. That's what it's okay. Called. That, that's what it was yeah. Metro because it was a DJ in there, DJ, yeah, and he would play so I'd be like. I need that. Exactly. Boom. And I would spend a hundred and something. Back in the day, that's a lot of and money for records. They were very expensive. They it was, were, they it was one song for like $12. Yeah. It was like and they, one. And they were called imports because they weren't from this country. They were coming in from Europe. They were coming in from every. It, it was like you got the regular track, you got the acapella, and on the other side, you got the instrumental. Extended and that track, was it. Everything. Yeah. That's it. That's all you got. And when you get the 12 inch of the one track. Oh, man. Remember that? But so, so, so I went from watching you spin. To go down there and watch this cat named Jerome Hicks. Now, I have so many Hicks mix tapes from back in the day. Jerome Hicks, a guy named Tommy Davis. Uh -huh. These are all well-known names in the Baltimore circle, right? And there used to be this other guy named Ephraim Jones. 
These three dudes were the dudes that were down Metro spending. They were the, and I would go in the Metro and sit in, after I would go to the barbershop, because the barbershop was at Montgomery. Yes, City. it was at Montgomery. So I would go get I got mine. Cut. I got mine cut. Like a few stores down, and Metro was right upstairs. Right. Correct. To, yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I and remember. I would go in there and sit in there for hours, listening to them. Just listening to these three dudes mix. Whoever was up mixing, you know what I'm saying. So they caught it. They sort of took over after you, as far as you know, like watching. Because I used to watch you, and then I just started watching these cats. And these these are the cats that would you know were spending down at Odell's. Yeah. So that's when I met. The other Tom, Tommy Davis, mm-hmm. right, that owned, um, what was the, on Howard Street? Fantasies. I remember Fantasies. He owned Fantasies, and then he wound up owning the Paradox until the mm-hmm. Paradox got Man, I spent in PT Flags, because they had PT Flags. So I spent in PT Flags. Wow. So Down I the harbor. Yeah, I, I did a few places. Yeah. I did a few places, cause, and then that, that's when my gang was still going, because I wasn't in Owens Mills anymore, because my mother passed away, so we left Owens Mills. Right. All that part. I had one more big party upstairs in the apartment before we left, and that was the last party ever done in Owens Mills for me. And think about it. If you would have stayed. Because remember, there was, man, there wasn't a black barbershop out there. We had to go all the way in town. Remember, yep. remember I started cutting hair. I don't yep. even remember that. I remember you did. My mother and father was to come home and be like, who are all these people in the house? I said, they want haircuts. I never thought, you know, like, we were doing these things you know, just to make a couple extra dollars. It wasn't like, you know, we, we didn't, I didn't, re- like you say, we didn't realize what we were in the stream of time. I could have opened up the first black barbershop or we could have opened up the first, you know, black, you know, little after hours by nightclub. We didn't think like that then. We, and we had, we, in the time. we had the right ideas and we had that mentality to have a business. We were just young. We just didn't execute because think about it, man. We would have been so far ahead of the curve because we had the audience. See, we had the we had that Owens Mills, Town area locked up, locked in. We could have had that, but we, we just weren't thinking like that. Now you know you can go, you know, uh, uh, what is it called? Identity Ultraline. You know they got that Randallstown area sold up mm-hmm. type thing. You know what I'm saying? But there's still nothing out in Owens Mills. There's no nightclubs. There's no. No after hour spots that I know of in the Owings Mills area. Yeah, but ain't nobody gonna go to after hour spot in Owings Mills because a lot of because buses stop running at a certain time and certain people can't do this, certain people can't and certain people ain't gonna keep coming and spend so money. So so now missed, it's location. We missed out. We missed that window we, of opportunity. We missed the window window of opportunity because of location and And like you yeah. said, we just were young, we just didn't think like that. But at the end of the day, man, you you were setting the blueprint for what could have been done, man. It, it's just it's just crazy. I think about, you know, all the talent that we had. And I'm not just talking about, you know, um, you know, uh, athletic-wise and things like that. I'm talking about, like you said, business-wise, some of the things we could have did mm-hmm. that really could have, we, we could have been so far ahead of the curve. Because, yes, you know, could. what we were so interested in is going in town. So when I turned 18, you know what I'm saying, you know, my first nightclub experience was Odell's. Oh, you know. I used to I used to live in there. Yeah, I would literally come out I the next listen. morning. The sun would be out, mm-hmm. but I could remember or like, you know, like shake it because the sound system was so incredible. It was like the roller skate. speakers were so big, and you just boom, boom. It was like just unbelievable. I saw Colonel Abrams in there. I saw Austin mm. Tay in there. I mean, I, I'm like, you know, they used to have a, a, I don't know, they used to call it dog. 
something freaky, wow, something, something. And you got women up there throwing their bras off. I mean, I've never seen anything, any, and it was also, it was also before a lot of things, man, when they used to call it a mixed crowd. So the mixed crowd wasn't necessarily that it was black and white. It was gay, lesbian, straight. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize I was yeah. in that environment because everybody was just everybody was getting there bananas. I just did parties like that, and I, I didn't even know until after my brother told me. He said, "You know," I said, "I didn't care." I had no idea. I didn't care because I, had all, no idea. I was worrying about paper, and I was worrying about and that completing my I, sound. I played twenty dollars in 1986. $20 to get no doubt. Oh. Not, it didn't even blink twice. And I stood in line to get in. I used to spend so many mon- so much you know? money on stylists for the turntables. Stat and stylists, boy, I was, oh, I was spending so much money. Them things were like $49 a pop, yes. and I was spending so much money on those. But I was making it back, you know, doing the parties. But you know, then you turned into them 1200s you had to buy. Ugh, boy, I, I might... stayed at Jack Luskin's. Mm, yeah, I remember Luskins. I, I got my Pioneer 1200s and I got my Newmark's mixer. Mm, Newmark was the only one I always bought. Newmark. And yep. it was a guy named Buster who turned me on to a Newmark because I, I had a little small German eye at first when I first started. And he told me, get rid of that. Let me let me, let me turn you on to this. And that Newmark, I fell in. I had the VU meters just going and everything. It was incredible. I was like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so I went to the store the next day, paid. $189. My mother thought I was crazy. Yep. I paid $189 and I put them things and I'd be in my room. My whole room was nothing but speakers, records, and a bed. And that's it. My clothes were just in the closet. Yep. And I was just... Yep. I had plenty of milk crates. And then one yes. day, I, you know, the, 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 the game changed, man. They were like, hey, look, man, you gotta get into CDs. Yeah. So I, then, I stopped that. I stopped right before CDs. Yeah. So then I had, you know, books and books of CDs. And I felt like I was like cheat. I felt like I was cheating, you know, because it's nothing. The, it's nothing to sound good as that vinyl. Every every the the game was moving. It was it was, but but then you know, be I didn't have I didn't have, you know, a road a roadie crew. You know, you had to have your boy help you with bringing it all on crates. Well, net you well, know what yeah, I'm yeah. I, help you, you, set up. you just couldn't do it by yourself. You had to bring somebody bring it, and, and break him I mean? off a little something on the side you for helping you. Them. You had to get, you know, you had to have somebody who knew how to hook up your amps, so you didn't yep. blow your speakers. You had, to, you Man, know, I can't you, tell you how many pawn shops I went through to to get receivers and amps. All of that. I used two receivers, tied them into a mono and an amp, and laid it out and just boom. And then, and I, we had tubes then. Right. We had tube systems right. then. And that sound that was coming out them tubes, we had to put fans on the tubes. Because of the heat. Because of the heat in the club. Yeah. Because the tune would click yeah. off. So I had fans running on yeah. it. And we were yeah. doing the whole thing. They would clip off all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we Hit that button in the back. But we were pushing it to the max. Pushing it, right? But the crazy thing is, we didn't understand the difference between professional sound and we I'm buying speakers at JCPenney. I would play, I could get I would try to get speakers from wherever I could. You know, you I were, was y'all were building y'all. We built ours. You know what I mean? People were putting Black Widows, some 15s, some 12 Black Widows, and y'all were making your own boxes and stuff because that's how the ingenuity we had back then. You could go to school, you know, and, and Mr. Olsen, our woodshop teacher, would I let you Mr. build Olsen. speakers. He would let you do that stuff. You had to pay for the wood. Wood. He would get well, you he the would wood, you build it. but he would let you build it. David Big built these two big, two big ones, and I built this one big black one. Man, it had a 18-inch speaker with a horn. That's your sub. 
Man, we were in there like, doom, doom, doom. We was in there and turned that basement up. Yes, and people would not leave up out of there. It got oh, so man. crowded in there one time. It was like, you could not even dance. And here's the thing. Nobody ever called the police. Nobody did. Nobody ever called Palmer Nobody County. in the building. Palmer County never came through. The parties never got shut down. The parties never Nobody got shut got down. Nobody got shot. Nobody, Nobody got, got shot. Nobody got beat up. Nobody got killed because each and every person in the, in the whole building, their kid was downstairs. And they knew it. And I remember when some of the mothers came down and it was like, oh, y'all got it going on in there. Before she said, well, I'm getting out here. All the kids are coming. Yeah. And, and they would get up. But they knew their kids were right there. They said, they out of my hair. My baby right downstairs yeah. doing a little party and it's safe. And they all, and we went to each and every person in the building and said, if you got a kid old enough, you can come down. We're doing a kitty party first. So we did a kitty party first. And we had to, we had their kids away from them for like three hours. Some kids were there, and they get all dressed up. They were packed with the kids from the neighborhood. They were packed. And at six thirty, we ended it with them. And around seven o'clock, that's when the big and the people still let us go on until like and you had people coming well, from everywhere. They oh, were just from up the hill, from the city. I had people coming from the city. Yeah. Coming in for them, for them legendary Always Mills basement. Listen, hey, some people said we can't believe it's a basement party. Yeah, they came down there and said it's a true basement party. Are you serious? Yeah. Laundry room. Where in the hell y'all get this place from? Man, we did it perfect. Yeah, man, we did it. But perfect. again, bro, you and you and Ross set the uh, set the blueprint, man. You know what I mean? Now, of course, no. With today, you know, I don't have. The, the the you know the the roadies and all that because that's why I, another reason why I have to stay in shape man because you know I I've got to do my breakdown and set you got to carry your stuff I got to do it so now you know with the you know with uh, powered systems you know I'm able to get the same sound no matter what because power speakers are always going to give you the same thing so you know I've got well you can change your sound if you if you use a, a preamp. Well, the reason why I like powered speakers is because I like the sound that they produce. No, I mean powered speakers, but you, you know can have I mean? you can have more of a tone, right? And more like, like at the left field pub. Yeah. If you use the just the regular preamp from anyone, regular preamp you plug into it don't have no power, it just controls everything. Right. If you put a regular preamp, you would get more bass and more of what you want out of that. Out of those speakers. Out of those speakers, because right. whatever system they have, that's just an amp, that's and it's it. just pushing it. They don't yeah. have. No yeah. trouble, no nothing. Yeah. Whatever your system putting out is what that's it puts what out. Get. Yeah. So, and I'm pretty sure you got an EQ and everything on your system. I do. So that's what I'm saying. I, I really enjoy the way technology is. Yeah, you just go in and plug, plug up and then you good. Because you, you I ain't got to bring your speakers out the house. You know what I mean? It, it, well, for that, you know, at one point I was bringing my speakers because uh, they, they had some issues or whatever, but... You know, like I said, when I'm doing weddings and things like that, yeah, you got it's, it's, it's very yeah, important. you got to take your stuff, and then also taking care of the equipment. You know, making sure that it's it's photographed or pro- wires. Make sure you your wires in and not you know, uh, because people are paying you top dollar. They don't want to see speakers with graffiti on it and chicken wire and all that. You got to straight black. You you got straight it. black on a stand. Look professional the whole time. You, go. you got your mic. You come out. You need to get the tripod with the lights. You can do all, all of that. that. You can do all that, and you'd be like. Wow. Yeah. Where are we going to get him from? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I make sure I try to do. I try to deliver a professional experience in regards to that. I don't want them to ever see you. Know. So then I also, you know, I go in, man, I'm, you know, I'm in that, you know, one of them little tight little tuxedos, or mm-hmm. tight little, you know, suits or whatever, you know what I mean? Because it's all part of the show. It's all part of what we're, the presentation of the package that people are paying me money for. 
you know, and at one point before the, the coronavirus hit, man, you know, man, I was making a, a really good, pretty decent living, you know, so much so that, you know, I was able to save money to keep me afloat for a year with no, with nothing going on. You know what I mean? But now it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. Since all, since we, we get ready to come out of this, Correct. not really come out, Correct. we're going to be so-so, but I see it changing and I see everything's coming to remotely get close back to what we is because I wasn't able to go on stage for almost a year because all the places were closed down. Yeah. So I want to see what happens. Just like you're trying to see what happens, I'm trying to make this dream happen and you, you're you making yours happen and you still got yours coming on. Well, I, one thing I didn't do, you know, that a lot of people kept asking me to do was, you know, to, to go on live, you know, and I said, you know, I, I can't tell other guys what to do in the industry. What you mean to go on live? What do you mean? Facebook live, Instagram oh. live, you know, and then put your cash app. And I said, listen, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing something for free, then you, why would someone pay me? Thank you. You know, so I, I refused to do it. I said, listen, you know, I'm not. They're paying you to, to be there. You get, you can do it online. You can do it Facebook or online. You can, you can do all of that stuff. But to be there in person, there's no better feeling to be there in person. You can can't so, so somebody can see you on there and you on there doing this little thing. I seen I seen some guys doing it, and I'm like, wait a minute, is that a bed in the back? Man, you 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 you, you DJing out your bedroom? Some of them are. Some of them are. No, man, I want to get out there and you know. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not knocking, knocking nobody I'm thing, but, hustle, I'm not knocking but yet, anyone, but if you're going to do it, you got to do it a different way. Not that ain't it. And on top of the fact too, you know, um, you know, I, I just don't believe that you, 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 you can, you maintain your value. You know, when I used to work at, um, I used to work at a fitness club, right? And so we would give a person, you know, a free month, mm-hmm. right? So if I give you something for free. And then I say, okay, now I want money. What, what do you think usually happens? They either say, we don't need it anymore. Me, I would say, okay, well, here's the money I would have gave you last month because I enjoyed it so much. Now we're going to talk business and see what, what, what more we can do so we can make money. The and I would have av- said we. The average person would say, well, I only took it because you gave it to me for free. See? So... I lost the value in asking for the money because I gave it to him for free. I gave it to him for free. So a lot of companies set themselves up to not have a higher success rate in terms of trying to do business with people because they're so busy trying to win them over through promos. I don't believe in promotions, man. This is how I run my business. So if I went into a Mercedes Benz dealer, right? And I say, what's your promotion? They're going to say, there is no promotion. Here's the car. Yep. Yep. There are no. You've never seen a rebate or or dealer cash. Come take our car for thirty days. Bring it back. Let us know how you like it. Because they have set the tone for value. Yep. Up here. So if you want to drive this vehicle, you better come in prepared to pay for that vehicle, or lease that vehicle, whatever. So they better come prepared to pay for it. That's how I feel about it, and I'm not trying to. You know, I just feel like, hey, look, at the end of the day, man, I can't ask people for money for something I'm doing for free. Okay. So that's my, that's just one of my mindsets involved with it. But, you know, uh, again, you know, I can't tell other DJs what to do in that regard. Some DJs will DJ for a hundred bucks. 
You know, I'll do your wedding for $150, bro. You know, I can't do that. You ain't going to make no money on doing They're not interested in Okay, number money. one, it's a wedding. Wedding, they spending a hell of a lot of you. They paying more than that for Listen, flowers. I, there, I have people in my some of my counterparts that won't even come out for less than $1,500. See? Right? And I'm not, I'm not even in that echelon of what I charge people. I charge people what I call fair market value. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not the cheapest, but I'm certainly not the most expensive. But you're going to get a lot more with me than you would get maybe with someone else. You're going to get entertainment. Plus, you're going to get a nice, you're going to get a nice presentation. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? You're Presentations get, are always important. You're, you're, you're going to get, you know, professional equipment. You're going to get, you know, ambient mics. You're going to get nice lighting. You're going to get a lot of other things that people charge you for as ancillary cost. Whereas I'm going to just charge you, look, this is what I charge. This is for my breakdown. This is for my setup. And this is for the time of the service. Everything else is already included in that. So you're getting a better value with me. But, you know, I'm not going to haggle. You know, you know that it's a price point. But again, it's all about the value that we're setting. It's not that I'm trying to, you know, overcharge people or undercharge people. I'm charging what I believe is a fair market value. So, you know, the, the, the DJ business has changed quite a bit. But at the end of the day, at the core of it all, um, you know, you've got, you've got to be able to make people feel like they've had a great experience. So what's next for, as we bring this down to an end, what's next for Hey, look, man, I told you, man, I really want to get involved with, you know, inspirational and motivational speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe that as a carbon print on this earth I can leave is the knowledge, the transferring of knowledge and, 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 and being able to help people not make me number one, but help them to become number one, help them to, you know, be the better person they want to be or help them achieve the goal that they want to achieve or help them travel or help them be a better dad or be a better wife or be a better kid, whatever it is. I want to be a part of that initial spark to help people be better. All right, people, you've heard it from DJ Eric, and I'm just Brian, and we're going to name this show Two Friends, well, we'll name it Two DJs, Past and Present, (laughs) and we'll keep it like that, and I hope you enjoyed this show. And I enjoy having you on, Eric, as always. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, no problem. All right, everybody. You have a good evening. And always remember, always be safe out there. We in B-more. We trying to make something happen. Y'all take it easy.